At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning and welcome to a very special edition of Cyber Law and Business Report. We're hosting the um, first ever Silicon Beach Congressional Debate. Um, we will be talking to um, several of the leading candidates to fill Henry Waxman's seat that covers Silicon Beach. And um, we're going to be starting off with um, the Republican candidate, um, Elon Carr, who's actually on the line and um, Elon is a, a Iraq War veteran and uh, a prosecutor who specializes in um, gang prosecutions. Um, he's getting um, a number of key congressional endorsements and um, from the Republican side on Capitol Hill. And um, just full disclosure, I always disclose what uh, any potential conflict or um, bias I may have. But um, Elon is the uh, the president of a, the fraternity AEPI, which I was a member of um, many, many years ago when I was in college. But without further ado, here is Elon Carr. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Bennett, how are you? Thank, I'm fine. I'm really thrilled to have you. So, um, well, I'm thrilled to be with you. Thanks for having me. So we're trying to you know, bring candidates together here to address very briefly um, why they are the best candidate for Silicon Beach. And we're going to ask, I'm going to follow up with some questions specific to you know, technology issues. But why don't we start off by you, know, you telling us maybe a little bit about yourself and, and why you think you're the best candidate for Silicon Beach? Sure. Well, first of all, generally, um, at every opportunity in my life, when I've had the chance to uh, to, to help people, to keep people safe, and to make our communities better. I've done it. You mentioned that I'm an Iraq War veteran. I joined the Army uh, before 9-11 and after all my schooling was done because I wanted to defend the country. I volunteered to deploy to Iraq because I wanted to help fight terrorists, which I did in Iraq. Uh, and then when I got back, I joined the district attorney's office and eventually became a gang prosecutor uh, because that's where most of the violence comes from. And so I believe that, that we need to keep Americans safe from threats overseas and from threats here at home, and I have a track record second to none when it comes to keeping people safe. But, and this is important to stress, and this is a segue to, to the main topic uh, of, of uh, our interview today, safety, security, doesn't just mean security from physical danger. It also means economic security. It also means knowing that, that our economy is sound and that our kids will have jobs and that there is a future 
of prosperity awaiting the next generation. And my, my big fear, and one of the main reasons I'm running for Congress, is because I fear that we will be bequeathing to the next generation an America that is less safe, less prosperous, less influential in the world than the America we inherited, and we cannot allow that to happen. And one of the main ways that we're hurting ourselves is that we're giving our businesses a one-way ticket out of town. And, uh, and so there's a, been a flight of businesses. First of all, businesses have been leaving America. But California is, is particularly susceptible to this, and that's why the unemployment rate in California is high. The youth unemployment rate, Bennett, is disastrously high. And it's just killing our communities and killing our young people. And why is that? Well, one of the main reasons is that our tax and regulatory infrastructure encourages our businesses to flee California and go to, well, you, you pick it. I mean, it's a whole list of states, Nevada and Texas and Arizona and Louisiana and even Canada. And the, the high-tech community is not immune for that. I mean, we obviously, look, we, we think of California as a haven for high-tech entrepreneurship. And look, it is. It is. But, but even in that sector, there are many examples of, of businesses and entrepreneurs picking up and going to places that are more friendly and then make it friendly and then try to attract businesses. Look, I'll just give you one example. Um, a, a terrific company called Big Commerce uh, that, that picked up, and, and its founders, or at least some of them, are from Los Angeles. And they picked up and they moved to Austin, Texas. Because yes. Austin, Texas. I recall that. I'm sorry? I recall that, yes. Yeah, you recall that. Austin, Austin, Texas generally, and Austin, of course, is a big high-tech uh, burgeoning and, and flourishing high-tech community in Austin. They make it friendly for business. And so, and so even the high-tech community, and Silicon Beach is an example, is not immune from from uh, being attracted to to states where uh, where the tax and regulatory infrastructure is conducive to entrepreneurship and to business growth and to job creation and to all of the things we desperately 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 need here in California and we're not getting it done and that's got to change and so in short I, I think I'm the best candidate in this race for Silicon Beach because I'm the best candidate in this in this race for business and economic prosperity and job creation. And Silicon Beach uh, is, is a big part of that. Now, now you're, you're the only candidate, I believe, in the race that has a, well, actually, that's, uh, has, a, has a law enforcement background on, you know, on, on the prosecutorial side. One of your opponents is actually a former public defender. But um, one issue that comes up in, in, in this area is you know the extent to which um, law enforcement and prosecutors have the, uh, um, I guess, the resources or even the wherewithal or knowledge to address some of the, these issues that are emerging in cybersecurity and um, cyber harassment and things of that nature. You know, what has your experience been? Right, and actually, right, and you're a hundred percent correct. And, and as a deputy district attorney, uh, I can tell you that that our office. Uh, in the DA's office has been really very uh, aggressive in a, in a very admirable way in seeking to protect uh, people from from mischief that is perpetrated uh, through high-tech channels. In fact, we have uh, an entire division, a high-tech crime division. Uh, in fact, I was one of their lead prosecutors. I was, I was with him literally yesterday. You know, I were meeting yesterday and discussing um, new developments in this area. And so, uh, and so I'm, I'm very proud of my office and my boss, uh, Jackie Lacey, uh, for, for really making uh, prosecution of Internet crimes a priority. And look, that's something that is, uh, that is an interest. None of, us, none of us wants to see 
this wonderful, robust vehicle uh, of the internet and uh, and the high tech world and the and high tech channels, high you know, robust channels for traffic and communication, uh, to be exploited by criminals uh, any more so than we want the mail uh, exploited by by criminals. And, and in fact, even even less so because this this has the capacity to to work far greater mischief. And so. Um, yeah, as a law enforcement officer, we we do appreciate how uh, how the internet has has given um, criminals uh, a chance to uh, to work their mischief in a far more potent way. And by the way, I will also add, as a law enforcement officer, yes, all, to all of that. But and as a military officer, as an army officer, I can tell you that it is a major national security priority uh, to ensure that uh, that terrorists. Uh, are not allowed to uh, to conduct operations and plan and coordinate through uh, through the internet, and they are. I mean, uh, the internet is a is a very uh, a major and central uh, vehicle and part of uh, of the infrastructure of terrorist organizations. All the more so uh, when our success in certain aspects in fighting terrorists and in the war on terrorism has caused fragmentation and splintering. In uh, in some terrorist organizations that used to be centrally run, and so when you have splintering and fragmentation, largely because of our success, that makes uh, them rely all the more on the internet to coordinate, and and so we just have to be very very careful without limiting uh, the wonderful freedoms of the inter of the internet. We have to be very careful to ensure that uh, that you know we we aren't uh, uh, killed. Because uh, because terrorists have used the internet to uh, to coordinate mass casualty attacks. Now, one one area that's a very um, big item of concern for the tech community here, and particularly those involved in cloud computing, is the the current. Um, you know, scope of NSA um, surveillance, and uh, you know, there have been some studies that suggest that this, you know, the um, scandal actually may hurt U.S. cloud computing companies um, overseas. You know, they're saying it could be as much as a you know, 25 percent drop in sales over the next couple of years. And uh, so, I was wondering what your thoughts were on the uh, you know, and reforming NSA um, surveillance efforts. Yeah, it's a terrific question, and it's a vexing, a vexing problem. I mean, look, I don't think any of us, um, any of us who love liberty, are you know, are, are comfortable at the notion that a you know a, a powerful government agency uh, might be listening to our our communications. Obviously, that's troubling, and and, uh, and the notion that the United States might be spying on Americans is, uh, of course, a concern. Uh, let me address this in, in a in a sort of broad overview type way. Um, there are two things that are very, very important, and there's a tension between them. And we have to find that balance, and it is a balance, and we will constantly be hacking back and forth to find that balance. Um, that is uh, the, the tension between to freedom from government and the freedom that, that only the government can allow us to have. Because on one hand, there are people, and again, look, I... I I spent a year in Iraq. I led an anti-terrorism team uh, in missions, life-saving missions throughout Iraq. I, I got to know terrorists. I was, I was, I was near them up, up close and personal. And I'll tell you that that we sometimes forget what we're dealing with. I mean, I, as a gang prosecutor, you know, we we think the gangs I prosecute, MS-13 and 18th Street and, and Hoover and, mm -hmm. and, and neighborhood groups, these are you know really bad organizations. Well, let me tell you something. They might be bad organizations, but the gang members don't don't spend every hour of the day thinking about how to kill us and destroy America. 
Uh, but these right. terrorists do. They are extremely, extremely dangerous. And so, uh, and, and we learned in 9-11 that you could be sitting in, in, you know, at your office building or at the Pentagon and, and, uh, and be, be a victim. And the battlefield comes to our cities and our office buildings and our communities and, and buses and cafes in Tel Aviv and subways in Europe. I mean, it's, it's ever, the battlefield is, is everywhere. And so, on one hand, you know, we could talk about freedoms from government, but, but if we can't be safe, if we can't put our kids on a school bus, and have the confidence of knowing that they're going to come back home to us, then, then we're not free. We become, we become oppressed by fear. And so it's very, very important that the government protect us, that the government be active enough to protect us and keep us safe. But on the other hand, we also don't want to sacrifice all of our civil liberties that we as Americans treasure uh, in order to be safe. And so it's a very, very difficult balance. And countries that are on the front lines of the war on terrorism, like the United States, like Israel, another free, open democracy, but one that has to deal with a constant onslaught of terrorism, are constantly struggling to find that balance. And if I go to Washington, I intend to fight very aggressively for freedoms and and constitutional protections, but never lose sight of the fact, as an anti-terrorism army officer, never lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day, we have to keep our citizens safe alive, safe, and, and, and knowing that, that their kids are going to come home to them after school, and that's uh, a, a critically important priority that we all share. Well, um, when you, in your discussions with Silicon Beach, have, has this come up much or no? Uh, what, and the NSA matter? Yeah. Yeah, it has. I mean, look, a whole host of issues have come up, but I have to tell you, uh, in my conversations with, uh, with, with the high-tech sector, um, while that comes up, what comes up a lot more than that is, is our anemic economy and, uh, and the flight of business from California and uh, the fact that, that, that our tax and regulatory infrastructure in California makes it difficult. It's just it's a difficult place to do business. And that has got to change. Bennett, that's got to change. We're, we're crazy. And it's not just high tech. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I was speaking to a CEO of a biomedical company, which is close you know, to the high tech sector. Both are you know, very sort of centers of, of, of great innovation and, and creativity. And he wanted to build a, a biomedical device plant. Well, he, he ended up putting it in Ottawa because we had a tax on biomedical devices. I mean, we've got to be crazy to do things like this. We're, again, we're giving a, our businesses a one-way ticket out of town, and that has got to stop. We're going we're gonna to kill ourselves if we continue to do that. And not only will the results be less revenue to the treasury and a bigger deficit because jobs and people working is what is what creates revenue to the government but also we're going to have uh, we're going to have continuing high unemployment and we're going to see uh, another you know lost generations of kids who, do, who don't have careers and, and then at the, at the bottom of the economic spectrum uh, in, in the distressed communities we're going to see you know more kids on the street and more gang activity and more crime because because people don't feel uh, the, the kind of self-worth that that a job can provide and so this is so important. We just have to make California a place that's, that's friendly and attractive to business. And we have to now, do it immediately. A big issue right now that's on the front pages, and, um, in the tech papers at least, is um, the issue of net neutrality. And um, there was a recent you know, um, 
court opinion that invalidated the the existing um, rules. Um, and uh, right now, Chairman Wheeler is supposed to be coming up with his own set of uh, his own proposal that's being criticized on both sides. So I was wondering what your if you had a stance or or a philosophy on net neutrality. Uh, look, sure. I think it's very, very important that there be no uh, content-based uh, discrimination um, on uh, on the internet. And content-based discrimination can be achieved, of course, not only by saying, "Well, you can't talk about X subject." I mean, that's kind of overt censorship. Right. But it could be done in a much more insidious and 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 stealthy way by favoring certain types of transmissions as opposed to others. Um, in fact, the Supreme Court, is, in much credit to the Supreme Court, recently came out with a First Amendment ruling that applied rigorous First Amendment standards to Internet communications, and that's the right decision. On the other hand, I'm very concerned if we have total 100% uh, blanket net neutrality uh, without any ability of a company to prioritize in a way that's content neutral, because don't forget, in other sectors, uh, of First Amendment issues, and we, we don't allow content-based discrimination, but we might, al- we might allow uh, uh, certain kinds of prioritization of different kinds of communication not based on content. Well, my concern is what happens if, if um, there's a mass uh, of, uh, of a certain kind of transmission that takes a lot of bandwidth, and, uh, and it's clogging things up and we can't send email? Well, can an Internet provider not say, well, we're going to favor... We're going to favor email transmission because it's critical that people be able to communicate and that Americans be able to communicate and, and other things like, let's say, you know, high-definition movies, streaming video, right. well, that's, that's going to have to, you know, until we get more bandwidth, we have to allow people to send emails and be able to communicate each other because that's, that's part of not only uh, uh, commerce, it's part of our, our social, it's critical. Email has, has become critical to, to how we do business. Now, it's, by the way, it's not just email. As you know, uh, phone service. I mean, how many people's phones now are using, uh, are using uh, an Internet protocol? And, uh, and, and so, you know, I think it's, I, I'm concerned that, that a one-size-fits-all blanket statement that doesn't allow uh, Internet providers to, to favor critical transmissions like email and voice might, at the end of the day, lead to our inability uh, to commute a backlog of, of emails and phone calls and, and, and de- 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 dramatic degradation of quality. And that's something we can't allow. And so I, I'm in principle in favor of Internet neutrality, but I, I, I would oppose any kind of blanket one-size-fits-all that doesn't allow uh, decisions to be made with regard to the e- efficiency of Internet traffic. And we have to keep Internet traffic efficient. Look, it's like a highway. I mean, you know, you've got a, you've got a bus lane and you've got a carpool lane. Uh, well, should we not allow a carpool lane because it, it favors one type of well yeah but but we 're trying to we 're trying to keep traffic moving and if we if we say well you can't you can 't make decisions uh, uh, based on whether it 's a truck or a sports car or whether there 's five people in the car or one person in the car, everyone has to be treated equally well then then you 're going to have more traffic and and more congestion, and that we don 't want none of us wants that so I, I just think i 'm in favor of it in principle, but but we have to be very cautious about what that means and how that 's defined. Now, another issue that is getting a lot of attention and it will increasingly be so is the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement and, um, and whether or not it should get fast-track consideration when in Congress. 
And I don't know if you had a, if you had a position on that as well. Look, I took a very, very strongly uh, favorable approach to NAFTA um, in its day, and uh, and and I I believe that was the right thing to do, and I think uh, I think NAFTA was very important uh, for uh, for uh, economic development on our continent. Um, I would say the same thing. Uh, look, I I think that um, uh, while while it's very important, we look at every detail of the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Um, I will say that I think a, a, a trade agreement that allows for a free exchange of goods and services and intellectual property is at the end of the day good for the world and it's good for America. Now, I know there's a fear sometimes, well, you know, does free trade mean less jobs here? No, I don't think so. I think, I think free trade will always lead to, to greater, uh, to the United States being more competitive, uh, having a more robust economy, having access to more markets, and at the end of the day, creating jobs. And so I, I think free trade is an avenue to creating jobs, um, not to losing jobs. And so I'm, I'm, I'm always in favor of free trade. I was very strongly in favor of NAFTA. And I like the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I think, you know, we, we have to look at every detail, specifically how other countries respond. You know, you, 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 never, you have a free trade agreement. Both sides have to play fair. You have to make sure that there aren't... Um, that there, it isn't one-sided and that one side is playing games with tariffs and favoring certain industries uh, that give us a competitive disadvantage. Uh, that certainly happened in our agreements with some countries in our history. We have to make sure that, that any trade agreement we implement is, is policed and it's, made, it's making sure that, that you know, both, both sides are playing fair and that there isn't, uh, there isn't a, a disadvantage that, that one country's tariff structures is giving to them disfavoring the United States. But with that said, I favor free trade. Well, you know, I want to thank you very much. Unfortunately, our time is short. But um, if people want, to, want more information about your candidacy or if there's any event coming up that you want to um, mention, um, do so now. That'd be great. Where, should they, where can people get more information? No, no, for sure. Well, again, my name is Elon Carr, and uh, my website is www.elancar, that's spelled E-L-A-N-C-A-R-R, for Congress, the word for, F-O-R, congress.com. www.elancarforcongress.com. Uh, and we're thrilled by how things are going. We're getting a lot of bipartisan support uh, because, uh, because I'm about, not labels, I'm about solutions to our problems. And I'm thrilled by how the campaign is going. And I, I invite all of your listeners to join us and uh, help us change Washington uh, end the dysfunction and the polarization, move our country forward, and that's something we need, and it's something we deserve. Bennett, thank you so much, and I enjoy. Thank you very much, Elon. I appreciate it. All the best to you. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. WebmasterRadio.fm has compressed thousands of podcasts and all of our radio shows into the ultimate Internet Marketer's Knowledge Base. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app. 
absolutely free and now available for iPhone and Android users. Listen to our live broadcast at the push of a button or access our complete archive of shows past and present like SEO 101, Affiliate Buzz, The Shoe Money Show, The Daily Searchcast, and so much more. Download it from the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store today. Before you painstakingly create another label or drag yourself to the post office, set a course to ShipStation, your key to e-commerce shipping nirvana. Save time by easily importing orders from wherever you sell, like Amazon, eBay, and over 40 others. Save money with discounted USPS rates and a free USPS account. Automate manual tasks through bulk label and invoice printing, custom shipping rules, and much more. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your... and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101. On demand anytime inside the search engine optimization channel only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. We are um, talking to our um, one of our, our first candidate for the California's um, 33rd Congressional District, the seat to Phil Henry Waxman. And the first candidate we're talking to is Senator Ted Lieu, who is considered by many to be the front runner. And full disclosure, um, I have met Senator Lou before at um, a local political um, forum. And uh, actually, my wife went to prison with him, in, 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 as odd as that sounds. Um, but it was for the Tim Robbins Actors Gang. Um, they actually have a project in prison where they teach prisoners um, acting skills and more emotive skills um, just before they get released into the public. So um, he actually went with Tim Robbins and several others to check out this interesting program. And... Um, but on the flip side, actually, um, t- the senator's actually running against two of my friends. <laughs> and uh, your first election, Senator, I, uh, I endorsed one of your, one of your opponents, and uh, he got one and a half percent. So my, my endorsement clearly carries a high value. But um, And the last connection with the senator is we were both um, Georgetown Law grads. And in fact, the senator was the um, editor-in-chief of the Law Review, which was quite distinguished. And actually, everything about the senator seems to have this distinguished um, background. It's almost from central casting. Um, you know, born in Taiwan. Um, came and uh, succeeded at Georgetown, was lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Um, and worked in the JAG Corp and the Air Force. Um, he's been very successful politically, running from a Torrance City Council to Assembly, and now he is a state senator. Um, he has, if you, basically, if you took the phone book and cut it in half, um, that would be his list of endorsements. 
And um, his latest endorsements came from um, one of the major newspaper chains um, covering the Los Angeles area. So, um, Senator, welcome. We're really pleased to have you. Thank you. I'm honored to be on. And um, you, as you know, this debate is really or, or this kind of virtual debate um, is, is is the idea is just to educate Silicon Beach community about um, what these people have, each candidate has to offer. And actually, uh, you seem to have be unique, uh, um, most likely to claim the, the geekdom category because you actually have an undergraduate degree in computer science. I do. Um, I am a uh, full-blown geek uh, in that respect. <laughs> so, Senator, you know, obviously, um, I was I was noting that when Henry Waxman first t- took office 40 years ago, um, that was the year Apple, and during his first term, Apple and Microsoft were founded. And uh, so yeah, we're going through a great period of change, but it's also a very exciting period. And you know, what do you think you have to offer to the people um, in the Silicon Beach community? Well, let me just first thank you for having me on, and thank you for that question. You know, I was uh, five years old when Congressman Waxman uh, got elected to Congress, and uh, you know, I remember growing up thinking how cool it was that I could upgrade my Apple II from 48K to 64K with its cool 16K memory card that I had gotten. And it's amazing the advances that have happened in just last few decades. As a computer science major, I'm very aware um, of technology, also of how government um, should or should not uh, participate uh, in the technological field. I think Silicon Beach is amazing, and it draws upon some of the uh, best and brightest we have here in Southern California. That's why I have introduced uh, Senate Bill 500 last year, which was an expansion of the research and development tax credit. Uh, I believe R&D is something we can do well in California, and some of that is computer-related. Some of it is also related to you know aerospace and biotech and high-tech. And those are some areas where we have a competitive advantage in California, things we can do better than other states and nations. And that's what I would emphasize in Congress, and that's what I've emphasized in the state. And um, you, you actually do it quite accomplished in, in Sacramento, which, which explains um, basically the, the, the huge level of endorsements from the Democratic establishment. But um, in, the, uh, in one of the endorsements I read that it, you also distinguish yourself for being somewhat independent. Um, you were one of two Democrats that actually voted to sanction uh, a Demo- another Democratic um, member who had ethical violations. And how important do you think that you know, some level of independence is going into um, this piranha pit that seems to be the, the, the House of Representatives? Uh, I think it is important, and I don't call it so much independence as simply doing the right thing. And, you know, I've learned over the years that you can't please everyone, uh, nor should you try. And what I try to do is look at all the data and all the facts and then make the best decision I can uh, based on available data. And every day I try to do the right thing. And whether that, you know, is in line with others or not, um, the voters will have to judge. But I've always tried to simply do the right thing. Um, and let me get back again to um, uh, Silicon Beach. Uh, I think... It's amazing what has happened, and if you look at part of the reason it's happening, it's uh, related to the creative economy. And so I'm chair of the Joint Arts Committee. I have a bill to increase arts funding by over $25 million. but it's clear to me that one of the reasons Silicon Beach is growing the way it is is not just with technology but also with creativity, with innovation, 
And that's something I want to foster in California as well as in the nation. Now, it, it's interesting. It, there are a lot of tech issues that are starting to percolate in Congress, you know, ranging from um, net neutrality to um, the issues over ICANN or, or even the NSA. They're saying that the, you know, the fallout of the NSA scandal could cause, you know, major losses for U.S. cloud computing companies overseas. And, um, you know, just looking at um, some of these issues in general, which ones seem to resonate with you? Uh, so uh, those are uh, great questions. And let me sort of start by saying this. You know, there are multiple candidates in this race, um, but I'm the only one that actually has taken action on a lot of these issues. So, for example, with the NSA, not only do I believe and strongly believe that the NSA is violating our constitutional rights every second of every day, I've taken action. So I've introduced Senate Bill 828, which tells state officials to not cooperate with the NSA when they come to California and seek private information on you unless they have a specific warrant or court order for a specific individual. And to me, the Fourth Amendment is very clear. It says government uh, shall not engage in unreasonable searches or seizures. And when the NSA seizes all the phone records of over 300 million Americans and they know who you called, who called you, when the call was, and the duration of the call, to me that is just completely unconstitutional because we are not reasonably suspicious simply because we make phone calls. Absolutely. And and so in your discussions with Silicon Beach, what, what has been the, the response and what issues have they been raising with you? Uh, so they uh, – do not like a lot of government regulation, and I agree with that. If you see the Internet and how it's prospered, it is because largely the government has had a hands-off approach. And in terms of technology, I think that's especially important because, frankly, government doesn't do technology well. Um, you've seen the huge screw-ups that government has had both at the federal and state and local levels. And to me, the private sector is much better equipped uh, to deal uh, with technology. And just having been a computer science major, it's just very clear to me how complicated uh, technology uh, is and can be. And in, even one little um, unintended consequence can have dramatic effects. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you somehow you triggered a, a memory of, uh, I guess, the, one of the, the first Apollo launches, you know, to go to um, the moon, and uh, right before takeoff, one of the astronauts made a comment that, that, that remember, this went out to the lowest bidder. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, That's which, right. Which I'm sure was the last thing they all wanted to hear. But, um, you know, one issue that keeps coming up, and, it, and it's come up in um, California and at the state, you know, state level, is what is known as the Amazon tax. And the, um, the basically states reinterpreting um, the the scope of their ability to tax uh, online sales um, and interpreting uh, you know, Amazon and other online retailers to be within the state if they um, have so much in sales um, to through local websites. And, um, and so that's actually now present in Congress with, an, with a, a, a bill that would create um, – it's called the Marketplace Fairness Act, and it would create a, a system where states could – um, charge um, collect sales tax from online retailers in out of state uh, online retailers if they comply with certain provisions you know, that kind of streamline and simplify the process. You know, have you had any discussions or do you have any thoughts on that? Um, you know, I think a federal solution is preferable to uh, no solution at all. 
Um, and I think it's going to have tech companies not have to deal with 50 different um, states doing their own thing. Uh, and one thing I've learned in the state legislature is having sort of one standard is better than having multiple standards that a company has to comply with. It just drives up um, compliance costs. So I haven't looked at that legislation, but I will I'll read it and I will get back to you on that. I appreciate that. That'd be great. Uh, another thing that comes up a lot is uh, the issue of privacy, and you know, there's a, a great tension between um, the fact that you know, web websites and a lot of content is advertised as supported, and therefore, but, but that makes it free. Um, but then you know, they also in return co- collect and track certain consumer activity on those websites, and the issue issues come up about disclosure, and um, and also to what degree should consumers be able to opt out of being tracked? And um, there is a proposal pending in Congress that would allow consumers to opt out of being tracked by websites. And I don't know if you had any discussions or thoughts on that that legislation. Uh, I would generally support. Those provisions, I believe in consumer choice and consumer disclosure. Um, I don't really believe in mandates, uh, but I do believe in giving consumers information and then letting the consumer make their decision. Now, another provision that really seems to be getting a lot of attention within the tech community is um, the – the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, and which would, it doesn't necessarily, uh, on just the name alone, suggest that it would resonate with the tech community, but um, a lot of it has been done in secret, and uh, there are concerns that the agreement um, may include um, certain copyright provisions that would be, you know, similar to what was objected to earlier with SOPA and some of the other similar legislation that led to the inter- you know, the Internet um, Blackout Day um, two years ago. And uh, I don't know if you've had any discussions with anyone or had much feedback on um, whether or not that, you know, Congress should fast track. As you know, this usually there's a procedure to to provide a fast track, quick vote on um, trade agreements, and whether you thought that was um, appropriate in this circumstance. I oppose both fast track and uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I know many in the tech community are opposed to TPP. And for both the tech reasons as well as uh, the notion that, you know, other countries just don't have the same labor laws and standards that the U.S. does. You know, I was chair of labor uh, in the Senate uh, a few years ago, and it's clear to me that by having these trade agreements with other countries that have very little labor protections, you end up taking advantage of workers in other countries. You're really... um, abusing them, and then we're losing American jobs, and it makes no sense to me. And I think, you know, that that has been kind of the reaction. I think NAFTA, um, a lot of people thought, hasn't really had the payout that, um, well, at least the, the, the offsets that have occurred because of NAFTA in terms of job losses. Um, people are wondering whether we have the, re, the re corresponding increase um, in business, and uh, that's still in debate. Um, another uh, hot issue um, in, in the tech community is net, the issue of net neutrality, and um, you know it seems that um, at the moment one of the uh, the people who are, are the, really in the, the kind of the focus of the community is the current FCC chairman um, Wheeler, who 
it seems to be willing to uh, uh, permit an arrangement where Comcast and other cable carriers can um, uh, you know, charge or enter agreements with uh, content providers to give them more or less a, a fast lane on the internet. And um, and years you know, just the last um, FCC chairman you know also was Obama appointed by Obama you know said that that's the last thing that we want. And um, you know that seems to be counter to a free and open internet. And so I'm wondering what this in in, in our community that creates a divide. Um, I think you know because obviously some of the cable companies and some of the um, you know entertainment providers are in the district, as are a lot of the tech companies. So I think here's an area where you have a an interfamily squabble within your own district. And I was wondering what what your thoughts were on that. I support net neutrality. I. Um have only read articles about the proposed uh, FCC rules. So based on what I read, I don't like them, and I would uh, likely oppose those rules. I think, yes, and I commend you for that. Um, I think they, I'm not sure if they've been formally presented to the committee and so to the commission. So it, it is a, there's going to be a process, and then they'll be open for comment. But it just seems that after the, the district, the D.C. Circuit vote, um, on overturning the the last regulations, that this was this would seem to be a step backwards. Now, one issue that it's kind of a, you would think would be the last issue to become a hot button item, but it's the, um, the Department of Commerce's oversight um, relationship with um, ICANN, which is actually in, in your district as well, um, and um, in um, right over in uh, well, in Playa Vista, and um, and the whole issue there is. You know, I, uh, the ICANN's relationship with the Department of Commerce is over you know, a series of agreements over time, and that um, the, the current agreement expires in 2015, and um, the, the Department of Commerce has indicated that they would be okay with ICANN transitioning to a new a supervisory body as long as it's not a governmental entity. You know, it has to be an internet, inter, inter, independent entity. And um, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, quickly, some people jumping on the issue, comparing it to the Panama Canal. In fact, even quoting Ronald Reagan that you know we built it, we paid for it, we're going to keep it. What do you think? And what are your thoughts on that? I would prefer that the, our U.S. Department of Commerce continue oversight and uh, not give it up. And that's my preference, um, partly because I, you know, uh, I am going to be in the federal Congress, and I just trust uh, our institutions uh, more than uh, other ones. And um, so one last issue to, to cover would be cybersecurity. And you know, it's such a, a large issue, but in just in general kind of conceptually, is do you think it's appropriate for the government to set minimum standards for cybersecurity? You know, is, um, if, is particularly in the area of, say, critical infrastructure, you know, uh, I was active duty in the Air Force in the 1990s. I'm still reservist um, at LA Air Force Base, former lieutenant colonel. And I take, I've gone to seminars on cybersecurity um, uh, that Air Force has offered. It is a huge, enormously challenging issue, uh, not just for government, but for the private sector. Uh, for the government, we absolutely need to do much more in terms of protecting our own governmental infrastructure from cyber attacks. In terms of private sector, again, I generally tend to favor incentives over mandates, but I would like to see how 
as the years go by, how the private sector responds uh, to the cyber attacks that are happening. Uh, clearly, Target is not very happy with what happened to them with no. the massive breach. And you would expect that because of that, Target and other retailers are now going to step up their cybersecurity. Um, but if they don't, then at some point I do think a government uh, might need to come in with some mandates. But, but generally the private sector, to me, has always done a pretty good job in terms of figuring out uh, the best way to respond to uh, these kinds of problems. I, I, I tend to agree with you, Senator. The, the one thing that's unique in this area is that there really hasn't been um, – a private sector um, response mechanism. You normally, in, in, in more mature fields, um, if you act and it's negative to the interests of your consumers, your shareholders, there's a market you know, response, an immediate penalty of some sort, whether it's just you know, reduced sales or something. But in this area, there really hasn't been uh, a market consequence yet for uh, having a data breach to, to, to some extent but well that that's because the incentives are not aligned properly right so for example in the target case in order for a consumer to show harm they actually have to sue target and you know by preponderance of evidence show that target messed up and harmed the consumer and you know who's going to hire a lawyer to do that right right um, so if you could somehow change your incentives so that companies that, you know, don't have adequate cybersecurity or have none at all or have very poor cybersecurity policies and programs, and then something happens, then maybe uh, they face additional penalties. Uh, there are different sorts of incentives or disincentives that you can put onto um, different uh, retailers, for example, and that might actually cause a market-based reaction you would like. Um, and we're running out of time, Senator, so I just want to thank you very much for participating in the inaugural um, Silicon Beach debates. And um, I, I guess the expectation is that you will probably be the top vote-getter um, at, at, on June 3rd. I was wondering if you just want to have a, a quick one or two-sentence um, kind of conclusion. Sure. I'm honored to uh, be on with you. Honored to have uh, live in this district and have my children go to this district, and I look forward to representing uh, this district in Congress. And, Senator, your website is? TedLieu.com, T-E-D-L-I-E-U.com. Well, thank you very much, Senator. It's, always, it's a pleasure talking to you, especially a fellow Hoya lawyer, and uh, um, thanks for, um, for cooperating with us on this. Thank you so much, and I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Guys, are you suffering from FD, fulfillment dysfunction? Let MoldingBox.com's online portal system for inventory, tracking, and returns perform for you. We have the enormous tools you need for complete warehousing, shipping, and handling of all your packages, no matter the size or shape, directly to your customers. MoldingBox.com can also fulfill all your nourishing, nutraceutical, and smooth skincare product desires, including green coffee and Garcinia on demand. Plus, let our in-house printing and CD, DVD manufacturing help you enlarge and maximize your coaching and business opportunity potential. We do everything. Fulfillment, shipping, tracking, inside and out, and all in one place. Moldingbox.com. It's shipping made sexy. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. So you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Welcome to Market Square, where you'll learn about fundamental human truths and up-to-the-minute trends that shape how and why marketers and people connect. Market Square, on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Ben and Kelly, you're listening to a very special edition of Cyber Lumbus Report of the inaugural Silicon Beach Congressional Debate. So we've heard from our first two candidates, and on the next hour we'll be hearing from our other two candidates, which are um, David Knuth and Marion Williamson. Uh, and we also had um, Matt Miller, who was supposed to come on, but he had to cancel at the last minute. Um, we never did hear back from... Um, Wendy Gruel, although I don't know why that is, I, I did endorse her opponent when she ran for mayor, so that that could have been a factor. Um, I, I endorsed Eric Garcetti over her, but you know I'm not going to put words in her mouth. So uh, unfortunately, she didn't see this to be a priority. Um, I, I think you know um, Silicon Beach is very important um, to. Uh, aspect of this district's future, both economically and many other ways. And um, so I think it's unfortunate she chose not to participate. But um, the process we followed in terms of who we invited and, and how we went about doing this was we wanted to, uh, you know, wanted to be able to have the ability to talk to you know, as many of the leading candidates, but do so in, in a way that we could actually have some discussion. So there are 18 candidates in total. We weren't going to invite all 18, of course. And so we looked at um, who had um, the initial Federal Election Commission disclosures and who had raised enough money to really be a viable candidate. And so we, we narrowed it down to, to seven candidates. One candidate, uh, Mr. Graff, um, dropped out just as we were sending out the invitation. So we were down to the six candidates that we talked about. And um, it's been an interesting race. And, we, and when we come back, we're going to be talking um, at, in the last half hour, we're going to be talking with uh, another Hoya lawyer um, and uh, uh, Southern California in, inside Politico, um, Kobe King. And um, Kobe and I, we're, we're going to come, go through really where we are in the race, um, the, the primary is June 3rd, and, and kind of talk about what, what, what we heard in the responses so far. 
And so we'll, we'll try to close this out and, and give you kind of a, a sense of where, you know, what, what, where this race might be heading and who might be the front runners. Um, but we hope you give everyone a chance and listen to them. Um, in terms of endorsements, um, Ted Lieu has the, the lion's share of endorsements. The whole party establishment has really lined up behind Ted Lieu. Um, he has the endorsement of the Democratic Party. Um, in addition, um, newspaper endorsements, the LA Times endorsed Matt Miller, and uh, which was a surprise. Matt Miller is the um, radio host of uh, um, the KCRW um, right, left, and center. So uh, the idea of a radio host as a, um, a, a congressman or a congressional contender, what do you think about that, Brasco? Um, <laughs> and, uh, but don't worry, we're not getting any ideas over here. No. But, uh, so, no, I just wanted to at least make it clear up just for anybody that's uh, just being weary because you're talking about we're continuing the show for the next hour. That, yes, for those of you listening live, that we will continue into the 11 o'clock hour Pacific time to do the show live. And for those of you listening on the download, look for a part one and a part two of this episode will be available on our website and all of our regular places where you can find us. Thank you very much, Brasco. So um, we're going to sign off for um, part one now, and uh, we'll be back in, in the, uh, the the next segment. We're going to have um, David Knuth and Marion Williamson. Um, so, and then we'll be talking with Kobe King um, from there. So, um, Brasco, take us away, and I hope you enjoyed the first part of the inaugural Silicon Beach congressional debate. And uh, we'll be right here in a, in a moment for the second part. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.